Welcome to the Breakfast Leadership Show, where we interview global thought leaders on business, leadership, and life. Here's your host, keynote speaker, best-selling author, and chief burnout officer of the Breakfast Leadership Network, Michael Levitt. Welcome back. I've got Joyce Odetson on the line. Joyce, how are you? Michael, good morning. I'm so excited to be here with you. I'm doing great. That's Beautiful, awesome. Beautiful sunny day. Same here. And it's uh, we're recording this during the summer, so it's always good to have that. And, you know, both of us uh, spend a bit of time in the Great White North. And uh, winter, when we get to see the sun, we're, we're looking at it in amazement, going, what is that? It's like, <laughs> we don't even recognize that thing. Where have you been? So, no, great to be with you. So, you operate in the wellness space, in the leadership space. And again, at the time of this recording, we're in the middle of a pandemic. And leadership has never been more paramount than it is right now. And not just leaders who's leading our organizations and government leaders to navigate us through these uh, challenging times. But today we're going to talk about self-leadership, how you lead yourself and how that plays an instrumental part in how your life is shaped and the lives around you. So uh, let's, let's go back in time a little bit. What, what got you interested in working in this space? You know, Michael, that's a really good question because a lot of people ask me that I got into this space because I am a conflict analyst. And as a conflict analyst, I was going uh, into organizations and working with people who were struggling with the conflicts They were, uh, you know, from the executive director all the way down, they were having issues. They were not talking to people. They were in very tense and uh, unpleasant situations at work. And I started to notice how it was impacting their body, impacting their health, impacting their their well-being. They would be now on medication for angina. They would be uh, having hypertension, high blood sugar. And I started asking myself, there must be a better way to pay attention to what's going on and to address these issues. And I think that's what got me into uh, actually uh, changing my business model to interpersonal wellness services, because I was at that point uh, consulting and training. And I decided I'm going to move from interpersonal uh, chaos and help people to move into what I call interpersonal wellness. And that really is what created the foundation for the work that I do today. So you're one of those rare individuals that actually paid attention to what was going on in the work that you were doing and noticed, wait a minute, there's something that is needing more emphasis on my part and more focus on my part, and you pivoted and changed from that. I've seen many entrepreneurs say, this is what I'm doing. I'm staying in this lane. I'm not going to budge from it, even though there's opportunities on both sides of the road for them to see, you know what, this actually makes a lot more sense. You still get to use your skill sets in a way that is going to really impact people. So thankfully, you you recognized that and, and made the shift. And, and as we talked about a little bit in the pre-show, 
right now, this self-leadership and wellness is so imperatively important right now because so many people are struggling with, with stress and burnout and anxiety and depression, and they're not taking care of themselves right now because this pandemic is overwhelming to so many people. So uh, thank you for, you know, for doing that. So when you made the pivot and you started changing to this, you know, what was some of the reaction you were getting from either potential clients or even existing clients? You know, that's a good question because when I changed my business from uh, JBA consulting and training to interpersonal wellness services, my corporate clients stopped calling. It was quiet. It was cricket. So I do understand that when people are hesitant to change because when you change, you don't necessarily bring everyone along with you. And so it was quiet. They didn't know what I was doing. They didn't know what is this. That was way before people start talking about mindfulness at work. And this was this was a new thing, right? I started the transition back in 2006. And it was just, people were like, what is this about? Although I had started first changing my email address uh, to interpersonal wellness before I did the branding and, you know, I did a several years moving into just changing simple some things, not everything at the same time. It still took a while to warm up my clients because I work in the corporate world and they didn't understand. And even today, people are still like interpersonal wellness. What does that mean? And I still have to educate people on what that is. And I, I love that because it's an opportunity for me to create a new awareness for them that, you know what, these conflicts that we're facing are meant for us to grow. This time of pandemic is an opportunity for us to do this deep self-searching that we need to. Yes, we have stresses. Yes, our lives are different. Yes, we have situations in our lives. We have the bills to pay. We have, you know, the kids to be educated. We're homeschooling. We have all the different things in our life. And I can understand the listeners saying, Joyce, you don't understand my situation. I can't afford to do that. You can. You can. This morning before, you know, it's simple things. And I just share with you some of the things, because one of the things that I've created uh, when I moved, it, when I made this transition was created a model and it was the, the wellness improvement system model and it creates the foundation. So it helps us to look at wellness from nine different dimensions. We look at spiritual, we look at social, emotional, occupational, intellectual, environmental, financial, physical, and then interpersonal. And for each of those dimensions, as I started to teach that in the workplace, people start saying, okay, Joyce, I'm doing this. How do we measure this? How do we know? And one of the things that I did was give them an assessment. So they could assess and benchmark where they are, how well they're doing in these dimensions. And then we can now set a goal of how far they want to go. How well do you want to operate in this dimension of your life? And that created so much synergy for clients because all of a sudden they now had a way to measure how they were doing. And that led me to develop the nine competencies that I, I teach for leadership and self-mastery. It is so, so important. So I'll share a little bit with your listeners today on these nine wellness competencies and really give them a little insight as to how they can 
start to develop those in their lives and pay attention. And I'll give some of the key life areas in each of those dimensions so people can get a little more clarity and visual because usually we share the model at our website, interpersonalwellness.com. But because we're just talking orally now and people can just hear the, the audio, I want to give them an opportunity to get a visual of what it looks like. So if you could imagine the wing of a butterfly, almost the way we develop this model, and in there you see the four prongs on each side, and at the core of it, we have interpersonal. Because I am a conflict analyst, I see interpersonal as integral to everything we do. Because humans are social beings, and everything we do in life is dependent on our relationships or will impact our relationship or somehow is going to be influenced by the relationships we have with ourselves, with others, uh, at work, uh, with our loved ones, whether you're a leader of self or leading a huge organization, this is so, so, so important for your work and life wellness. It's crucial. And I love the fact that with these nine steps, and you mentioned it, it gives people this opportunity to be able to figure out where they are right now. And then, of course, you've got the roadmap of, okay, these are the different stages or levels that you can get to in each of these nine steps. But at least it gives people, this is where you're at now, because oftentimes people think, well, I'm, I'm not good at anything. I'm really struggling with every aspect. When in fact, it may only be a couple of those nine that they're struggling with. And that says, look, you're not you're not as bad as you think. And there's actually a lot of positives here. So let's build on these and then you can work through the other steps to get to where you want to get to. That is so important. I'm glad you raised that. Because often when we have people sit down and do the assessment, they, re- they come back and they say, you know what? I'm not really doing that bad in, you know, in these three, four. These, these are the ones that I'm struggling with. And these are the areas where I'm falling off the wagon and I need some help. And this is so relieving for them because they're like, oh, it's such a relief. I now I know. Because one of the things that I do when we when we teach that whole wellness improvement and wellness mindset competency, we're telling people, Think about the things that you already do well and celebrate them. Celebrate what you already do, especially in a time like now where where we have the pandemic. People are stressed. People are overwhelmed. There is more on their plates. Uh, Either their workplace is closed or the way they're doing business is changed or they can't get supplies to, even if they are able to run their business, they can't get supplies. They, you know, so many things have been affected by this pandemic. So this is an opportunity to continue really focus on where do I have control? What do I have control over? I think uh, Stephen Covey in his Seven Habits of Highly Effective People said, you know, you have to think about your sphere of influence. Where do you have influence? And that's where you need to focus your time. What can I change? What do I have control over? And this is what this allows people to see. What, What am I already doing well? And where are the leaks? Where am I leaking vital energy? Therefore, how can I now do something about it? How can I close that gap and conserve that energy? Because one of the things we talk about in this concept is when people start leaking vital energy, and I I equate it to 
a social bank account. It's like a health and wellness bank account. And you keep putting money in, you keep just like you would your bank account. Every time you work out, every time you eat a healthy meal, every time you get fresh air, every time you drink, you know, your amount of water, all the things you do, every time you have good, healthy relationships. This is one aspect I think of a well-being that has gone to the wayside. We have not, and positive psychology knows one of the reasons why I like positive psychology is because it reminds us that our relationships are profoundly important to our well-being. And so it comes up where actually one of the research was done that people who are married live longer, but people who are married and are in good, healthy marriage live longer than those who are in toxic marriage marriage relationships. You have to have healthy relationships. If you are in a relationship with someone at work, because we spend a lot of time at work or in our, in our intimate relationship or someone we spend time with and the relationship is unhealthy, it takes positive energy away from you. It's taking away from that you have already put in the bank account and it just depletes your energy. And before you know it, you're running on a deficit. So we don't want to be running on a wellness deficit because that makes us more susceptible, especially in a time like now where we've been told, hey, in order to protect yourself from COVID-19, you need to boost your immune system and stress, overwhelm, being in a toxic negative relationship are some things that will actually deplete our immune system and make us more susceptible to the disease. And I see it all the time. And that's my biggest concern with the, the burnout numbers that I'm seeing and, you know, the monster.com did a study and indicated 69% of those surveyed are, are identifying as being burned out. So basically seven out of 10 people are burned out. So that means you're overwhelmed because burnout is mm-hmm. prolonged stress. You're overwhelmed, you're fatigued, you're not getting proper rest. So what's happening is your body isn't having an opportunity to repair itself because you're not sleeping well. So yesterday's damage gets piled on today's damage and tomorrow's damage. Next thing you know, your immunity starts dropping. And when normally you would be able to fight off COVID-19, you Mm -hmm. may not be able to. And then you get hit with it and... Who knows what will happen? We, there's so many dynamic variances on how it impacts people from yes. you know, low symptoms or hardly any symptoms to collapse lungs. You know, I, I, there's a colleague of mine that got it around Memorial Day in the United States, and he recovered from it, but you know, the long-term damage of it is one of his lungs collapsed. So now he's you know, getting that taken care of. So it's one of those situations you do not want to mess with this. And one way to help keep yourself safe, including physical distancing and wearing masks and washing your hands and all the things that we've been advised to do is make sure you take care of yourself and, Absolutely. and, and, and really focus on your well-being. Uh, because if you don't, then you're, you're inviting you know, COVID-19 to potentially impact your life if you don't. Absolutely. I think that is so, so important in everything we do. The other thing that really comes up here that's really important is understanding how critical this is for us in a time like now. When I talk about spiritual wellness, most people think, oh, well, Joyce, I go to church 
or, you know, I, I have a meditation practice and they think that's all there is to spiritual wellness. But what I've done in this, in this framework is that I've, I've really expanded what spiritual wellness means. Self-esteem, personal style, vision, purpose, culture, core values, beliefs, balance, religion and faith is, is a key part. Faith is so important. And whether you're religious or not, faith is an element that we all have. We have to have faith that things are going to get better. If we are stressing and we're in a place of anxiety where we're always worrying, then that shows we don't have faith. We need to start visualizing a better time. We need to start visualizing uh, what is going to happen when we move beyond COVID-19. Visualizing a more positive time. Because if we stay stuck on what's happening right now, we are going to stress ourselves out to a point where we are making ourselves sick. The other thing that's really important here is hope, trust. Those are very, very important. And I, I really brought these together. And the competency that we develop with those for spiritual wellness is integrity. So one of the things that we do, that there's a difference between skills and competencies. And I talk about that um, in another, uh, in one of my talks I give, is really understanding when you develop competencies, now they are measurable. And now you can develop competency by observation, by, you know, practice, by feedback. And you really get to develop that as a part of you. So it becomes an unconscious competence that you go to when you need it. It's there. It's part of your repertoire. And one of the things that I was struggling with when I started this model is that I'm teaching in corporate here I am, this little brown woman going into organizations, coming to tell them about spiritual wellness. What? <laughs> They're kind of close to door. I mean, I struggled with this. And I tried with my design. I said, let's put spiritual to the bottom. We Let's find a way to bury it. I tried. I prayed. I, I did everything. But that model was not complete until I added spiritual, just where it began. Because at the core of it, when I did my research and started looking, I said, why am I being you know, why am I being instructed to have spiritual wellness and have it as the, you know, as a central part of this model? I started doing some research and I recognized that most people struggled with self-esteem and organizations pay billions of dollars a year on different personality style assessment. There are leadership assessment. There is DISC, there's Myers-Briggs. There's, those are billion dollar industry that we spend so much time. The style profile, there's this true colors. There are hundreds of different uh, strength profiles that we're using to assess how someone is, their personality is, or how they will fit in. And actually we could just spend that time helping them to develop their spiritual well-being. And I'm like, okay, so that's very important. So that's why this is part of the spiritual ones, because this is something that we cannot see, we cannot touch, we can only experience. It's the same like breath. We know we get breath. We know we have breath. We know breath is important, but we can see it. We can touch it. We don't know where it comes from. We can't really understand it. And the more we study it, the more we understand it, the more amazed we are. And that's the beauty of, of humans. People are so different, so complex, so multidimensional, and so is our wellness. We have all of these elements in our lives that makes us who we are. And to be 
labeling people or stereotyping people or assuming people are any one thing or someone is just their profile. One of the things that I teach in my in my coaching program where I teach on the wellness competency, I teach the coaches, I say our clients are more than their style profile. We cannot just label our clients. Oh, this person is, you know, this person is type A and I'm going to treat them. I'm like there are complexities to that person. Maybe they are type A in the morning. Maybe they're not at noon. Let's work. Let's not just label that person to that one strength and think they're going to be that all the time because people are multidimensional. And as their life changes, as the dynamic, the dynamic of their life changes, the dynamics, we're going to see them uh, respond differently. We're going to see them build up and, and flow and ebb in so many different ways that they're going to amaze us. And I see that with my clients all the time. I see it with my students. They come in absolutely um, confounded that how am I ever going to learn this and be able to execute it and, and provide it to others. And then they leave just absolutely perfect, <laughs> you know, experts in, in as uh, subject matter experts in, in this in this uh, perspective and be able to share it with others. And I'm always amazed at how um, how complex we are, but how, how much capacity we have for learning and growing. And that's one of the other, the other pieces that I talk about when I talk about wellness is using that capacity, capacity for growth, capacity for learning. I call it capacity building. And it's the it's the competency that we put into intellectual wellness, recognizing there is so much. It's more than just, oh, you know, do I have a high IQ? It's much more than that. We continually expand our capacity as we grow and we'll, we learn. No, it's amazing work that you're doing. And a real quick story before we wrap up is when you mentioned True Colors, an organization I worked at about eight years ago, we went through that exercise and... I was the basically the vice president, chief operating officer, and my CEO. Um, she, you know, if you if you looked at both of us, you would say, okay, they're you're dynamically different people. Um, love her, think she's you know incredible boss, and thankful I had the opportunity to work with her. But what was funny is we went through this exercise, and we both came up with the same colors. And that turned into a 90-minute sit-down with the facilitator so he could justify and prove that we were both the same color. She was beside herself. We had to dismiss our team so we could sit down and go through it. He, he, he's doing everything. She wouldn't buy it. And he, he basically painted the pictures and saying, okay, this is why. And then finally, I, I, I kind of looked at him, and I think he got the clue. It's like, okay. You have to make her more, and I think the color was blue, if I, remember, I forget what it is. Make her more blue than me, okay? Have me closer to gold or uh, vice versa. Like, that, that's whatever, because we got to get through this afternoon. And, and he's like, yeah, she, he's, like, he's not exactly. He's got some characteristics that blend on that, but he's, he's hovering. And I think that eased her concerns a little bit. But, yeah, she was animated. Uh, I don't remember her using any profanity, but she was quite animated. There's no way that I'm like him. And I'm like, why is it bad to be like me? I mean, what, what's that all about? But 
I'm guessing it may have had something to do with somebody in her past. I don't know. I never, I never brought the conversation up again because it was 90 really? minutes. I'll, I'll never, get, I'll never get back again. So I was like, no, let's just, let's just keep it in that. So, but no, it's, it's crucial. I mean, the stuff that you're doing really flushes out some real true insights as to where people are and where they can go. And I think that's why I, I really encourage people to, to find out more about your work and, and everything like that. So, uh, you know, Joyce, I want to thank you for your time today. So let, let's let people know where they can find out more about you in this assessment that you have and all the other awesome things you're doing. Well, Michael, thank you for having me. And I, if someone wants to know more about us, they can always go over to Interpersonal Wellness Services, Inc. So they can find us at interpersonalwellness.com. And of course, we also host in the Global Workplace Wellness Summit in November. So, and you're going to be a speaker there and we're going to be doing some great work there. We have, uh, we're going to have 35 speakers in all presenters over the four days, looking at ways that organizations can bring wellness, multi-pronged, multi-dimensional approach to wellness in the workplace to do some of the work you do, like burnout, uh, you know, some of the work we're doing, people have to prevent. It's so much more costly to fix these things. Can we prevent them? if we can prevent those burnout, if we can help people to look at their lives as multidimensional, look at all the areas of wellness and bring that together at work, in their own lives, so that we can work, live, and play well, I'm, I would be very happy to, uh, to talk to anyone who's looking. Yeah, I'll definitely have that information in the show notes, and I am really looking forward to that event. I've been speaking at a ton of events this year, and all of them are great. So if anybody's watching, I've had a blast at all of them. I'm really looking forward to yours because you've been releasing on on LinkedIn, for, and I'm probably in other places too. But I've been catching them on LinkedIn. You know, some of the intro videos of the other speakers that are speaking, and and I'm looking at this going that's there's some absolutely amazing human beings that are doing some incredible work here and there's never been a more important time than right now for organizations and individuals to really focus on their internal wellness and their well-being because when things get to the next normal whenever that's going to happen we cannot go back to the way things were it just will not work and we, uh, we, we have this opportunity. This is a window. How big mm-hmm. of a window? Not big enough. But you know, I know, I know a lot of people want this pandemic over. Guess what? So do I. But this is an opportunity for people to really focus on, on wellness. So when we do get back to the next normal of things, we're going to be healthier and have more clarity in our lives and we'll be stronger leaders, not only for leading our organizations, but for leading our lives. And it's going to make Absolutely. things so much better. So Joyce, thank you again for your time today. I really appreciate you and this awesome work you're doing. And uh, obviously we'll keep in touch and I, I look forward to, to talking with you and chatting with you over the next few weeks. And then of course, see you at the event coming up in November. My pleasure, Michael. Have a wonderful day. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to The Breakfast Leadership Show, part of the Breakfast Leadership Network. Visit breakfastleadership.com for tips on empowering your business and your life.